The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. So if you want to go ahead and open that up, I'm going to read the three paragraphs that are set there for you based in the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's start at the top of the sentence mark number nine. When do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden, of, the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. I also saw under the sun that this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built a huge siege, huge siege works against it. Now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom, but nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. And finally, remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the, the years approach when they will say, I find no pleasure in them. Sam. Well, I remember. I remember when I was in primary school. And a paddle pop was 12 cents. I remember when I was in high school, I caught a red rattler train. There was no air conditioning, no automatic doors, just had manual doors that you could open yourself and you could hang out during the train ride. That was the air conditioning. <laughs> I remember when I was at university, university was free. There was no hex, no government debt. You could do uni full-time. You didn't need a part-time job on the side to support yourself. Wow, it's good to remember. And did you notice as we remembered, we went, ah, that was nice. And wouldn't it be good if just like the 12-cent paddle pop, just like the Red Rattler, just like free university education, at the end of our life, people will remember us and go, ah, that person was a really nice person. In other words, a key part of life for us is to be remembered. And so the question we ask ourselves is this, will I be remembered? Well, welcome again to our forum talks. In the month of May, we're doing a four-week series on life and the four big questions we ask about our life. Am I making a difference? Am I somebody to someone? Am I having fun along the way? And will I be remembered? And we use these questions to measure our life. If we can say yes to these questions, we can say our life has been significant, worthwhile, and of value. And so in this series, we're looking at these questions one by one. 
and seeing what the Bible might say about them. So this comes in the form of a 20-minute talk by me now, and afterwards there will be about 10 minutes of question and answer. So today is week four, talk four. And our question is this, will I be remembered? Well, what does it mean to be remembered? Well, I'm going to define being remembered as this. It means we live on in someone's memory. It means they miss us when we're gone. It means they must have treasured the times when we were there. And in doing so, we know our life has been rich, meaningful, and of value. We didn't just eat or sleep. We didn't just pay the bills, but we connected. We touched the lives of those around us, and we were remembered. And it means our life must have been rich, meaningful, and valuable. So our question is this, will I be remembered? And there'll be three parts to this talk. The first part, we'll look at, well, why do we want to be remembered? Why? Middle part of the talk, problems we're trying to be remembered. Problems. And the final part of the talk, well, what might the Bible say about being remembered? What might the Bible say? So let's come to the first part of the talk now. Why? Why do we want to be remembered? And here I've got two things to say. Why do we want to be remembered? Number one, we want our lives to have a lasting significance. We want our lives to have a lasting significance. I have three boys, and one of the fun things about having children is working out what to name them. And so for our first son, we thought about using dog names, because my name Sam is a dog name. My name Sam has been a top 10 dog name for decades. And so we went with top 10 dog names, and so we came up with Toby. And Toby is ranked number seven last year in dog names. For our second son, we thought, well, why don't we go beer names? Because my name's Sam is a top 10 beer name in America where we used to live. And so we went with top 10 beer names. And so our second son is called Cooper. <laughs> For our third son, we thought, well, let's go with some jock names. And so my name's Sam is a jock name. This is Sam Burgess, the ultimate jock. And so we went with jock names for our third son. And so we called him Jaunty, after Jaunty Rhodes. And so for first names, we had a bit of fun. But for the middle names, we gave them names with meaning. We gave them the names of their grandparents, our own mums and dads. And we did this to remember our parents. So our boys will also remember our parents. We did this to honour our parents so that our boys would also honour their grandparents. We did it to show them that they are who they are because of their grandparents. And because of that, our grandparents will live on in name, in memory and significance. It's good to be remembered. This year is a 100 years anniversary of Gallipoli. We had memorials, we had marches, we had ceremonies. Why? To remember to remember the Anzacs, to honour them, to show that we are who we are because of who they are and what they did for us a hundred years ago. What they did had a lasting significance, not just for us, but for the whole country. We are who we are because of them. And so for us, it'd also be nice to know that we too will be remembered after we're gone. It means our lives touched someone. It means I was a good friend, a good partner, a good parent. I did make a difference. I did leave a lasting significance. So that's the first reason why we might want to be remembered, because it shows our lives were significant. 
The second reason we want to be remembered is this. God has placed eternity in our hearts. Number two, God has placed eternity in our hearts. We have a God-given cry for eternity. Now, in our family, after we do the laundry, there'll be an odd sock. And we don't know what to do with it. Like, is there another sock that goes with it? Because if we can't find the matching sock, what do we do with this sock? In my clothes drawer will be a button. And I don't know what to do with it. Is there a shirt that goes with it? Because if there's no shirt that goes with it, what am I going to do with this button? And there's always lying around in my house a single jigsaw puzzle piece. And I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Like, is there a puzzle that I can find that goes with it? Because if I can't find the puzzle, what am I going to do with this one piece? You see, in other words, is this sock, is this button, is this jigsaw piece all that there is or is there more? Is it part of a bigger picture? Because by itself, these things are pretty meaningless. The Bible passage that we just read said that God has placed eternity in our hearts. And so our hearts cry out for eternity. Our hearts cry out, is this life all that there is? Or is there something more? Because my life by itself right now seems pretty meaningless. All I'm doing is eating, sleeping, and paying the bills. But if there's something more, if there's something eternal, if I'm part of a bigger picture, then my life can connect with that. And I know my life has meaning. I'm more than just a blip in the timeline. I am part of something eternal. And if I can be remembered, if my memory can live on, in, if my life can somehow connect with eternity, then my life will have meaning. So that's a second reason why we might want to be remembered, because we want to somehow connect with eternity. Let's come to the middle part of the talk now. What might be problems with trying to be remembered? And here I can think of two things. What might be problems with trying to be remembered? Number one, we might not be remembered. Number one, we might not be remembered. A few years ago, I went to my 20-year high school reunion. Now, the 20-year high school reunion is the one to go to. The 10-year one is the one not to go to. I didn't go to the 10-year one, but apparently the 10-year one, everyone turns up and they're all still beating their chest. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my job. Look at my house. Look at my car. Look at my family. We're all still trying to outdo each other. But when you come to the 20-year reunion, by now our lives are shattered and in ruins. We've lost the house, we've lost the job, we've lost the car, and we're all back to normal. We're not trying to outdo each other. But the 20-year reunion also messes with your head. Because someone will come up to you and say, Hey, remember me, I'm Peter. We used to sit next to each other on maths. And you look at him and you think, Peter? Peter? And there's nothing about him that's the same. His face will have swollen, his body will have grown, his hair's gone. All that's the same are the eyeballs. That's all the same. And you look at him, that is you. They are your eyeballs. Peter, that is you. <laughs> but then also some will come up to you and say, hey, remember me? I'm John. And you're thinking, John, yeah, cricket, no German class. And you think, I, not only have you forgotten their name or face, you have, you've forgotten them. You have no memory of them existing. 
we may not be remembered at all. My parents have a photo of me as a baby, and it's not this one, but uh, it's very similar to this one. And it's of me sitting on the lap of my great-grandfather, but I have no memory of my great-grandfather. When my wife and I went to Europe and we travelled around, we saw many statues of people who were once upon a time famous, so famous they make a statue out of them, but now pigeons sit on them, people sit on them, and we don't know who these people are, but they must have been famous. Look, they did have made a statue out of them, but we don't know who they are. In that passage we read in the Bible in the middle section, it says, you know, there was this amazing guy, amazing guy, amazing story. The city was under siege by a powerful king and army, and this guy saved the city. But we can't remember who he was. He was amazing, but we've forgotten who he was. Take Sydney, for example. Our city, Sydney, is named after this dude called Sydney. Who was he? Was he a nice guy? Did he have family? We don't know. Yet we live in a city we named after him. We say his name every day, but we don't know who he was. When I work as a doctor, most of our operating instruments are named after famous doctors from the past. This is the Gillies forceps, named after Gillies. This is the Langenbach retractor, named after Langenbach. This is the Mollison's retractor, named after Mollison's. We use them in all our operations. But when the surgeon asks me for the Mollison's retractor, I often joke back, say, who was Mollison's anyway? And he laughs back, because it's obvious we don't know. He doesn't know, I don't know, but Mollison has a retractor named after him. We use his name every day when we operate, but none of us know who he was. See, we will try to be remembered in so many ways. Maybe we'll write a book. Maybe we'll have a library named after us. Maybe it'll be a scholarship or grant. Uh, maybe we'll discover something. Or maybe our children will grow up to be amazing people. And all those things are great, but if we're doing those things to be remembered, it won't work. We will not be remembered. So that's the first problem. We actually might not be remembered. But the second problem is, even if we are remembered, we might not be treasured. We might not be treasured. My wife, Steph, and I once found this book in a bookshop. It was called Everything Men Know About Women. So we bought it and gave it to her dad. And this is what the book looks like in the middle. All the pages are blank. And, of course, that's the joke. Men know nothing about women. Men are clueless. And one of the funny things about guys is they actually don't know anything about women. And what they think will impress a girl usually doesn't impress a girl. This is how a guy tries to impress a girl. Hey, look, I built a new world on Minecraft. Or, hey, look at me doing a wheelie on my motorbike. Or, look, I've got all the original Star Wars figurines. And it so does not impress her. And that's the cruel irony. By trying to impress the girl, the guy is scaring her away. The guy is losing her. And that's the cruel irony with trying to be remembered. By trying to be remembered... We lose the ones we love. Here's how it works. As a teacher, 
If I want to leave a legacy, I need to write a book. That way my ideas live on, and that way my name lives on. This book would be called the Chan textbook, and my name, Chan, really needs to live on. But in trying to write the book, I might be away from my kids, locked in a study writing my book. I might be away from my wife promoting the book. And so I might get the book out, but now my kids hate me, my wife doesn't love me. As a doctor, if I want to leave a legacy, I need to discover something. I need to get a disease named after me. That way my ideas live on, my name lives on. Every time someone gets that disease, my name will be mentioned. But in trying to discover something, I might be away from my kids. I might be away from my wife. And so I might get a disease named after me, but my kids might say, hey, that's great, but where were you when we needed you? And my wife might say, I just feel you love your work more than you love me. Or as a parent, if I want to leave a legacy, if I want my kids to grow up to be special, if I want my kids to love me, if I want my kids to remember me, I will sacrifice my time, my career, my life. I will raise them. I will drive them to school, to sports and to music. I will buy them the latest, greatest laptop. But when my kids grow up to be doctors and lawyers, they don't call. They don't visit. They don't let me see my grandchildren. Why? Because they will feel used, controlled, manipulated, like they were my project like they were my identity, my purpose, my meaning, like they were never allowed just to be themselves. By trying to be remembered, we actually might lose the ones we love. Even if they might remember us, they might not love us, and they might not treasure us. So that's a problem with trying to be remembered. We might not be remembered, and we might not be treasured by those who love us. So let's come to the final part of the talk now. What does the Bible say about trying to be remembered? What does the Bible say? Here I've got two things to say. Number one, enjoy what God has given us. Just enjoy what God has given us. In that Bible reading, the first section, it ended this way. It said this, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift from God. Well, what does the Bible say? It says, enjoy. Enjoy what God has given us just for what they are. Don't, but, but, but don't make them our identity, our purpose or meaning. Don't make them our legacy. Don't make them what will connect us with eternity. Just enjoy them for what they are, gifts from God. My wife and I got married about 18 years ago. And our wedding ceremony looked like this. There was an outdoor wedding on the lawn. A friend of ours was a chef, so he made the food. Steph's mum made the cake. My friends played in a three-piece jazz band. We had music, we had food, we had friends. It was a soft, warm autumn sun in the lawn. It was a beautiful wedding, the best wedding I've ever been to. (laughs) But Steph, my wife, tells me that on that day, she forgot. She forgot to enjoy herself. She didn't eat the food. She didn't hear the music. She didn't even see the ice sculpture that I commissioned for her. My poor wife was running around doing a lot of other important things, like talking to friends and relatives, but she forgot. She forgot to enjoy herself, the food, the music, the sunshine, the ice sculpture. The advice they give couples on their wedding day is always, 
enjoy yourselves. It's your day. Enjoy yourself. And the Bible's advice for us is this. Enjoy ourselves. Enjoy the present moment just for what it is. Enjoy what God has given us. Enjoy the food. Enjoy our job. Enjoy my friends, my children, my wife. Enjoy them now in the present. But don't make more of them than what they are. They are not my identity. They are not my purpose and meaning and they are not my legacy. And they will not connect me with eternity. So just enjoy them for what they are. Otherwise, I will destroy them and they will destroy me. But what about the eternity that God has placed in my heart? Well, the passage that we read says God is eternal. So connect with God and God will connect us with eternity. But don't use what God has given us as gifts to connect us with eternity. Don't use what God has given us to be remembered. Just instead enjoy them for what they are. So that's the first thing we learn. Enjoy what God has given us in the present, in the now. And the second thing we learn from the Bible is this. Remember God. In the final passage it said this, remember your creator. So the second thing the Bible says is this, remember God. Well, how can I be remembered? Well, don't try to be remembered. Instead, remember, remember God. Now, all day, every day, we have to remember things. All day, every day, we have to remember our keys. If we forget our keys, we get locked out, and life just doesn't work. We have to remember our keys. We have to remember our passwords. Now, passwords are meant to be secure, but according to Splash Data, the top three passwords for last year, 2014, were... One, two, three, four, five, six. Password and one, two, three, four, five. And we use that because we have to remember our passwords. For life to work, we have to remember our passwords. Every day, we also have to remember our mobile phones. Imagine forgetting your mobile phone. Imagine just one day without your mobile phone. Imagine just one hour without your phone. Life just wouldn't work. For life to work, we have to remember our keys, our passwords, and our phones. And for life to work, we have to remember our creator. But what are we to remember? We have to remember there is a God. I think we believe there's a God. We just forget there's a God. We have to remember there's a God, that this God made us, that this God loves us, and this God saves us. And if we trust and follow Jesus, he will save us. And then remember our life is a gift from God. All we have has been given to us by God to enjoy. But the things God has given us are not eternal. And we're not eternal. We're just a mist, a vapor, a blip in the timeline of the universe. But that's okay. Don't fight it. Because remember, God is eternal. And if we worship this God, we can be eternal. And God will give us eternal life. So when we die, we will be with God forever. Death will not be the end for us. And that's how we can be remembered. Not by trying to be remembered, but by remembering our God. Well, do you remember our original question? It was, will I be remembered? And we've had three parts to this talk. Why do we want to be remembered? Because it means our lives are significant. And God has given us a heart cry for eternal, eternity and eternal things. But the problems of trying to be remembered are these. We might not be remembered. And by trying to be remembered, the cruel irony is we drive away those we love. 
So how can we be remembered? The Bible says this, just enjoy what God has given us in the present. Don't burden them with the task of making us immortal. Instead, remember God and he will remember us. He is the eternity we cry out for and he will give us eternal life. My grandfather lived to 102. And during his life, he taught me many things. He taught me it takes just as much effort to form a good habit as it does to form a bad habit. He taught me the discipline to go to bed early and to get up early. He was also an anti-hoarder. And he said, if I collect one piece of paper every day, by the end of the year, I'll have 365 pieces of paper. So he taught me not to hoard. He died a few years ago, but he left an amazing legacy. At the funeral, the church was packed, and many people said really nice things about him. I will always remember him. I will treasure him. He made a difference in my life, and he lives on in my memories. But my boys never got to know him. My boys can't remember him. And when I die, his memory will be gone forever. And the Bible says that. We are mist. We're a vapor. Our life is short, and that's it. But God has placed eternity in our hearts, and we cry out, there must be something more. But if we try to live on in our achievements, in our family, in memories, we will fail and we drive away those we love the most. The Bible says don't try to be remembered. Instead, remember God. If anything, be remembered for that. And God will remember us and he will give us the eternity that our hearts cry out for. The first one is um, with this. What would it look like? Um, what what would it look like day day, to, day by day to remember God? Mm. What would it look like day to day to remember God? Uh, well, our God is a relational, loving, personal God. So what does it look like to remember a loving, personal, relational God? I guess for me, a parallel will be, I'm married to my wife, Stephanie. What does it mean for me to remember I, I'm married? So I can't be with my wife for a large segment of the day, but what does it mean to remember her? Well, it means to first of all remember that I am in relationship to her, uh, and so I have certain like relational blessings and relational responsibilities to do with that and also it affects the way I treat and talk to other people because I'm remember uh, I I'm married to my wife so if I remember that there is a God I need to remember first of all he's my creator he's in charge uh, uh, not me he loves me so I can be loving he has forgiven me so I can be forgiven so it affects the way we treat other people affects the way I see myself and affects uh, I get I guess my attitude in life so maybe that's just a short answer. I can give a longer answer, but I'll just keep that short. Thanks. Sure. Why do people focus on being remembered and not focus on remembering God instead? I think it's because that, um, that double, that, that tension I put there in the talk. The first reason why we want to be remembered is God's actually given us a God-given cry. It's a God-given legitimate cry for eternity, where we feel there must be more than just eating, drinking, and paying the bills. My life needs to connect somehow with eternity, and I think that's why we want to be remembered. That's one way we can be remembered. But 
uh, unfortunately, in doing it uh, without God, it ends up being destructive because we end up either uh, trying, we, we, as I mentioned, by trying to be remembered, uh, we, we're in a vain quest that actually might drive away those we love. So by trying, by having that God-given cry to be remembered, it's actually meant us to send us to God. Hey, God, if I know you, you will remember me. And I think it's a God-given legitimate cry that, that we meet by knowing God. Sure. Yeah. Um, how, how can you enjoy the moment and yet still seek eternity? It seems to be a bit contradictory. Mm. How can I live in the present but long for the future without my joy being somewhat diminished? Okay, how can I live in the present? And what was the, the last line? How can, I, how, can I, how can I live in the present but long for the future without my joy being somewhat How can I live in the present? Uh, and long for the future without diminishing my joy in the present. I think by juggling those two truths that we have a God who's eternal and he connects us with eternity, but he has given us transient gifts to enjoy in the present. So both those things can be true. They're complementary rather than contradictory. So as we enjoy the gift from God, it helps us enjoy the creator, which gets us the eternal significance. It's like um, when my wife and I suddenly often get given vouchers to go out to watch a movie or have a dinner. As we're enjoying the dinner, it actually makes us remember the person who gave us the voucher. So somehow connects us in, in a relationship and we remember that person. So as the Bible was saying, enjoy what God has given us and just enjoy it. But remember your creator who gave you. So worship the giver, not the gifts. Enjoy the gifts and worship the, the giver. Sean. Mm. How can I enjoy eternity if the present isn't that great? All right, again, so the Bible is so nuanced. It gives us these double truths. So on one hand, everything God has given us is good, but we also know this world is not as good as it can be for various reasons. And so this tension is making us want want more, meaning this is just a foretaste of more to come. So things aren't as good as they can be, and that's to make us realise there's more, there's more to come. There's another chapter to come, and the goodness in what God has given us is meant to make us think, okay, if this is good right now, imagine what it will be like in eternity. All right, yeah, so, so how, how would eternity be fun if it's just life on repeat? Okay, well, eternity, I, I guess I, I'm understanding the sense of it as a boy, eternity is a long time. It's just day after day after day after day of being the same. But eternity also has a qualitative understanding as well. So not just quantity, not just more and more and more, but quant- uh, quality. So th- this is good, intense, in goodness. So if we understand eternal life in terms of quality as well as quantity, that might be my answer to that one. Oh, practical suggestions on how to remember God. 
uh, interesting, as human beings, we need constant things to help us remember. By nature, we're easily distracted. Uh, our attention gets diverted. And you can see there's survival reasons why attention needs to be diverted to immediate threats. But often we forget the bigger, higher priorities. So how can we always remember? Interestingly, as humans, we always build into our lives little rituals to help us remember things. So Gallipoli, once a year, we remember on Anzac Day, we have a little ritual to help us remember Gallipoli. Not like we ever forget, but rituals help us remember. Uh, and, and so we can build in little rituals in our day that help us remember um, and I mentioned that, you know, humans are funny. Like on our phones, we carry a gallery of photos all the time. And, and you know, there's, there'll be a photo of my wife and kids. And a stand-up comedian said, why do people carry photos of their loved ones, their friends with them on their phones? Is it like, oh, who's this person? Oh, oh, it's my wife. Oh, I'm married. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot I was married. But somehow we like using those things to remember. So every day I remember my family as I, as I fire up my phone, they're in my wallpaper. Why do I do that? There's, there's a joy in remembering. And so somehow in our day we're just building little rituals, not that we forget, but to just help us remember God and just little rituals like praying, meditating on the Bible, hearing God speak to us in the silence and in what he might have to say to us in the Bible is a really good way of remembering, remembering God. And interestingly, even Jesus himself gave us little rituals to help. He said, hey, every time you eat this meal, uh, use it, use it. Because it was a, a meal he said, that, that they had to do anyway once a year. Hey, just use this meal. Every time you eat it, uh, remember me. Remember what I've done for you. So some of the, the, these little rituals help. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.